0: Podcast about product management, user experience design, technology, and more. This is Product by Design. All right, welcome to another episode of Product by Design. I am Kyle, and today we are joined by another awesome guest, Owen Magab Inawoo. Uh, welcome to the show.
1: Yes, Kyle, thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate you getting me as a guest on here. Yeah, Um, super
0: excited to talk to you today. And let me do a brief intro and then, Owen, you can tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, Owen is the CEO and founder of Suite Process, which helps enable company executives and their employees to collaborate together to quickly document and improve their standard operating procedures, processes, and policies, which I'm excited to explore because it is a very interesting topic to me, being able to document um, procedures and processes and policies and things like that. So before we do that, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your experience, and then we'll dive into it.
1: Okay, so uh, like uh, Kyle said, my name is Owen McAvinao, and I am currently the CEO and co-founder at Sweet Process, so Sweet Like Candy, Process Like Process. And uh, what we build is basically that single source of truth where you and your employees can go together to Collaborate together and build out procedures and processes, basically checklists on how you do all those uh, recurring tasks in your business, so that at any given time when you need, uh, you know, to find how do I do this specific task, to just go to one single place, find the answer, and you keep improving and uh, those documents. So we built that. But how we got to this point where we built the software was, uh, first of all, the company started uh, twenty the last quarter of 2013, and before that, I used to run an agency where I would provide uh, entrepreneurs here in the U.S. with, uh, you know, back office staff based in the Philippines who would, you know, basically they would outsource their work to our agency and they would, would do work on their behalf. And this was a time after like a lot of, uh, you know, small business owners that read the books like The 4-Hour Week or The World is Flat and realized that they too can take advantage of the fact that, it's not only the big firms that could you know hire uh, you know people abroad because then before then a lot of people thought that it was just one of the big you know telecom agencies and stuff like that that could do that because what they would typically do is, is they would go to those countries and hire like you know a hundred plus people at a time to handle handle their customer support and stuff like that. So you know, small business owners thought it was out of their you know uh favour to be able to do that. So, but with these books, it made it clear to them that you know they could actually uh, uh, you know do such a thing. But one of the misconceptions that came with these books was that you know sometimes they felt that you know it could just be magically done where you just hire somebody in another country that is from a different culture, different time zone different and probably English is not their first language, and automatically this person would just come hit the ground running and start doing your work like as if it was right there in front of you and which the fact is if you happen hire somebody right there in front of you physically. There's some onboarding that needs to happen. So I don't know why they magically thought that people in a different country will be able to just hit the ground running from day one. So one of the things I had to do is I had to be, you know, to an extent become more of a teacher in terms of, you know, help them understand that there there, there is a way that we have to do this where we would gradually have to learn how exactly you do your work. And part of that learning of how you do the work you're trying to outsource to us is you taking the time to show us, walk us through how the work is done. And back then we would use Skype, because Skype Skype was a thing, wasn't it like Riverside or or, or what's it called? Um, uh, The popular one Zoom that everybody uses. So it was Skype then, we'll meet on Skype, have a recording session on Skype. They would walk us through that specific task they want to uh, hand over to us. And then we'll take the recording and someone else on my team will go through the recording and then create you know, step-by-step procedures and so on and so forth on how work is done. But the biggest issue we ran into back then was that the tools for actually documenting these procedures, improving them and collaborating together to gather the insights, were either they were like enterprise level tools because they were probably built for like process consultants and like really technical people. And so they were even hard to use and, and and junky in terms of you know feature bloat and all that. Or we were hacking together a bunch of tools that were then necessarily built for for that. And so, you know, it, all together, you know, we we're able to get some result, but it wasn't what we wanted to be. And so I said in back of my mind, I was like, you know, there has to be a better way for this. Maybe eventually when I have some time, I will build a simpler tool specifically for solving this problem, right? And then I went on a podcast similar like I am on right now. Uh, and the podcast name is uh, G, hosted by Andrew Warner. And I was on there to teach a course on how entrepreneurs could basically, you know, uh, pass on their knowledge of how they do their work onto paper or whatever tool they are using in document procedures and so on and so forth. Kind of like what I will do here and teach the framework similarly. And my co-founder listened to the podcast. His name is Jervis, all the way from Australia. Uh, He listened to the podcast and he was like, dude, I reached out to me by email Say, hey, he has this idea of a software he's trying to build and he liked what I was talking about on the interview. And so I said, okay, let's have a conversation. And when we had a conversation, lo and behold, turns out he's a programmer trying to build a software to uh, make it easier for, you know, employees, their managers, and, you know, the owners to all collaborate together to improve and create procedures and all that that stuff. And remember, I had the same issue as I was building my agency. So I was like, dude, not only am I going to give you advice on how to do this based on my experience, but if you're open to it, you know, we can work together and build this. We can build this together. And he was open to it. Went ahead, you know, and the company was birthed. But I was like, you know what? Instead of us uh, uh, going ahead to build out the software, uh, you know, you know, and he agreed to, uh, like, you know, let, let us uh, spend some time having some conversations with potential customers so that we can understand this problem we're really trying to solve and understand the root issues that people are having and what are the roadblocks that are preventing them from even getting started? What are the roadblocks that are preventing them from even, even if they have documents in place from actually continuously improving this? So that by the time we build our software, we'll build it based on the root problems we've uncovered, but try to keep things as simple and easy to implement or to use because we don't want to be like this other feature bloated software that we saw out there. And so we had about 30 or more different phone calls with different entrepreneurs and, and, and managers and so on from different types of companies. And we you know, picked out all the different issues that they were having. And another reason why you know I, I wanted to do these interview calls was because I realized that my perspective of what I was doing was you know limited based on the type of people I was working with. and my own experience. So I wanted to get experience from other people as well so that I can see, you know, compare that with my own experience, and then we can really have a full uh, uh, featured understanding of the of the actual problem. And so after that, we did about 30 or so interviews. Like I said, we took those interviews and then, you know, we're able to say, okay, now we understand the problem. Yeah, the root issues for each of the problems that we identify and here is the simplest way for us to Implement a solution for it. And then we went ahead to start building out the software. Moving forward, now we have over 2,000 uh, companies using Sweet Process. The typical company has about 30 or so employees, all the way to 100, even more. Uh, uh, to be honest, we have, uh, uh, you know, Banks using Sweet Process, we have factories using Sweet Process, uh, we have uh, uh, government agencies using Sweet Process, we have uh, uh, doctors and their law firms. I mean, it runs the gamut in the sense that different industries are using the software because at the end of the day, when it comes, to, I mean, even churches are using the software for their volunteers. So, I mean, it's not only just employees because at the end of the day, when it comes to you being able to deliver experience your customer or deliver a product to your customer, a lot of times you have to depend on your employees, human beings to carry work, to get work done. But how do they get this work done predictably? This is where these documents like procedures and processes comes in place so that they can actually do that. So that's just an overview of how we got started, where we are now and and such. I'm glad, I'm hoping that I've given the the listener like a big background of where we've come from. Yeah, that's
0: absolutely incredible. And and I want to pull on a few of those threads because that's super exciting to me. You, you were you were kind of starting down a different path, you know, building a, an agency and identified kind of this this huge problem. And as you were talking about it, it really resonated with your co-founder and and somebody else. And you started to explore this idea that obviously resonated with a lot of other people as well. How how did you go about you know really finding that fit with you know with other companies and, and you know with other uh, uh, people basically you know you, you you talked about going out and talking to you know lots of potential customers and and really verifying the idea you know can you tell us a little bit more about you know what did that look like you know how how were those conversations and and what were you really exploring as you went out and and talked about it and and started to you know see that. This wasn't just something that you were experiencing and and that he was experiencing, but that lots of people were having this problem.
1: So first of all, I tapped into my network of people that I know, right? To try to, you know, uh, say, hey, I'm working on building this app. And uh, before we build anything, we want to actually understand this, the problem we're trying to solve, but not from our own perspective, from your perspective as well, right? So first of all, tapped into my network and having conversation with some people that I know uh, from different industries. And then also at the end of every conversation, hey, who else do you know is probably having the same issue that we are talking about right now that you feel is going to be a good person to speak with? And, you know, um, also have, you know, quite you know quite a, a number of people on their, on, their, on their payroll and staff so that at least we know, because the, the reality is we wanted to see how this problem uh, uh, is experienced, especially when they have, you know, a larger teams, and so they would give me uh, referrals to the next person, and so on and so forth, stuff like that. And so, from my network, I got referrals, and then also, you know, LinkedIn being a, a thing where you know uh, you can literally just go and, and and look at you know your first and second contacts and stuff like that, and just also say the same thing to them. And you know, obviously, not everybody would agree to uh, to do that, but you know, uh, those who agreed, you know, we had conversations. Say, hey, you know. We all know that you know documenting procedures is a pain, right? And uh, people don't do it. So tell me what exactly is the experience you're you're having uh, with that? Usually, I would start by you know I would start by saying, hey, tell me more about your business and what you're doing, and then I. That way to start the conversation, you know, um, mm-hmm. people like to talk about themselves, and then I bring it back to the problem, and then we we'll try and drive, uh, dive deeper and deeper into the problem that we're trying to solve from their own perspective. And the thing was, you know, you would have to uh, make the effort not to uh, interject your own feelings into it or your own thoughts into it, because you really want the people to just express themselves and go as deep and deep and deep layer and layers deep into the problem. So that, you know, as they tell you one thing is an issue and then uh, you, you to try and find out, okay, what is causing that issue. And when they tell you that thing, you try to ask, Okay, what is the next? Uh, what might what you think might be causing? So, because you want to go in layers and layers and layers deep into the until there's no point again for for them to go deeper. Then you know, okay, I've reached the the root issue here which yeah. specifically this problem. And then you know, the same thing with all the conversations uh, in trying to go in layers and layers deep until you find the specific root issues uh, across the board for all of them. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, that that's super interesting as you were kind of going through that process, you know, what, what did you find within a lot of these businesses? You know, you, you talked initially about onboarding, you know, being one of the key things that, that you were finding, um, you know, within the agency that you were building as being, you know, one of, one of the main things, you know, what were some of the key things that you were finding both, you know, in your exploration with uh, some of these companies and what have you found, You know. Uh, going forward that are some of the areas that are, you know, some of the main problems, uh, or, or main sources of need for businesses, uh, to document, you know, processes and procedures.
1: So one of the things I found was that, you know, uh, people came at this issue from different angles, like my own, uh, arrival at this issue was more of a customer onboarding mm-hmm. situation. Like I explained where in order to take on this customer and deliver it for them, we needed to do this. So it was more of a customer onboarding mm-hmm. stuff. Then there are situations where we arrived at people based on conversations where the issue is more of a employee, like new employee onboarding situation where, you know, they're trying to hire an employee. They're trying to grow in skill, but their whole training scenario is just a bust. And, you know, they hire people, stop paying people, but yet they can't get value out of people because there's no actual training. In place another scenario it was that we discovered was you know people are trying to retire and maybe uh you know uh um, get the you know the, the company to the next generation or whatever but there's nothing in place and so they are worried that hey you know this company itself now uh, how do they hand over like succession was the issue right and so there's no actual things in place uh and then another one was like people were trying to sell their companies but they realized that you know in order to sell the company you as an investor would, which company would you find if you had two of the same companies in front of you, and one had all the procedures and processes documented so that you know at any given time they can add employees, replace employees because things are all documented, and this other one, most of the stuff is stuck in people's heads, and you know when that person is not there, you know it's held, you know there's chaos, right? Which one <laughs> would you have placed a higher valuation on, right? Was the one that you know that, that there's uh, you know uh, things in place? So people came at these issues from different uh, perspective, and I just gave you a bunch. of examples and then another thing that we realized that you know uh, the whole thing about documentation is not the most sexiest part of (laughs) business but yet it's the most crucial part of any real business in terms of growing and scaling and so you know people love to talk about sales and marketing but not really so much of this and so because it's not the most sexiest things you can even find companies that are really large and have you know grown large but from an an, uh, uh, operation standpoint they are chaos because they just knew how to keep bringing customers in but you know that was how they were going. But from an oppression standpoint, which this is what the, the issue really is, they sucked, right? And so uh, people tend to procrastinate and not focus on this. And then, even when they want to now start focusing on, on, from on an oppression standpoint, how they document and collect this knowledge, they don't know where to start, right? And then, even when they have identified where to start, okay, uh, how much information. Do they need to put into the document? So, and then even when they've now started even documenting, how do they get their employees bought into the whole idea of doing this? So, based on these conversations, you can see how we you know we're basically mapping out different issues and different uh, points on which people are arriving at these issues. You know, so I hope I've given you an idea of you know kind of what these conversations led us to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. I- how do you go about or or how have you seen companies go about making this more either more palatable or or more sexy like you said it, you know obviously documentation and procedures and processes aren't necessarily like the sexy part of a business but they really go a lot to the maturity of a business and to to being able to scale and grow and do it in a very mature fashion so what have you seen as far as some of that maturity goes and and how have different companies approach that or, or different organizations approach that from, from what you've seen?
1: So let me do this in a way where I'm talking to the listener right yeah. now, and I want to give them a framework on how they can actually, you know, uh, get this done in their company. So that way it's more applicable to the person as opposed to saying how other companies have done it. I want to give them a framework. So the first thing is, you know, If you are at a stage where you as the owner of the company or maybe the manager in a a company now realize that you need to have documentations in place, right, because for various reasons you are now at this point, the first thing you have to do is take a snapshot of the work that you actually do on a recurring basis. And the key word is recurring basis because if it's a task you do one time and you don't do it again, that's kind of like a project, that's it. You don't really have to document things as like a one-time thing and you don't do it again, right? you document things that you do on a recurring basis now. So take a snapshot of maybe the last week, one month or whatever, what did you actually do, right? So that you can know what you have to document. But before you even start documenting, I want you to after you know taking that snapshot and then you say, okay, these are the list of all the things that we do on a recurring basis, determine which ones you want to eliminate. Because the last thing you want to do is start documenting things that are not really necessary. Because you know, there's all this whole thing about tribal knowledge. This is how we've always done things. But I want you to have a much you know critical conversation with yourself and your employees and say, okay, what are the things we really need to document? Because you know, we can't really get rid of it. That's what I want you to focus on, because I want you to start you know, narrowing down what you want to document to the core. Stuff that is critical that you can get rid of because if if you can get rid of it, forget it, don't worry about documenting it now now we've you know taken that list and brought it down a little bit and now in this list that we've narrowed down uh to to some extent the next thing I want you to do is break down that list into two types of tasks the ones that are recurring as we've determined from the very beginning, but they are the revenue generating, the income generating sexy tasks, the sales, the marketing things that you know people won't always talk about because that's exciting stuff. And then on the other end are those production tasks that are not the most sexy, but this is what actually delivers the product, the service or whatever to your customer, right? So we've broken down the tasks into the revenue, sales, marketing, sexy stuff, and the production stuff, not the non-sexy one, right? I would say most people would want to start with the sales and marketing one to start documenting that because the idea obviously is like, okay, if I can document how I do my sales and how I bring in customers or document how I do marketing, obviously I can go hire more people to do the same exact thing for me, which means more customers coming in. But I would ask you to ask yourself this question that, well, if more people come in as customers and you have these bottlenecks on the production side, you're just going to have more people you're going to piss off and annoy and screeching halt, right? So why don't we focus? on the production side of things and figure out what are the biggest bottlenecks on there so that we can start documenting those first, right? And then eventually and gradually, we will move into the sales and marketing side of things. So now that we've agreed that this is what we want to do, the next thing is, okay, determine what is the biggest bottleneck on the production side of things. Usually it's the thing that when this task comes up, maybe... Everybody's asking questions over and over again. How do we do this? How do we do that? Because information is is nowhere. Maybe it's probably stuck in someone's head or your head or whatever, right? Or it could be the task that you know you personally don't like handling because you know is that much of a pain. So I'm trying to you know basically find you know what is those big bottleneck things that you know on the production side. Now you identify maybe the, the biggest one and then we go start documenting. But you ask, how do you do it? I would say, wait until the time when the task occurs again, that you you actually have to do it. This is when you start documenting. So you can use a tool like Street Process or whatever tool you want. And in, in, when you're actually doing the work, I mean, let's imagine this task is a 10 step task that you would have to do. When you won't start doing the work, you load up your sweet process account and you give the title of the uh, procedure, the title of the task, how to do whatever, so that any of your employees see the task, they know exactly what they can accomplish when they follow the procedure. And then in real time, as you are going through each step of the task, only thing you want to do in, in the very beginning is just to capture the title of each of the steps and no details filled in right? So when you're done with this task, when you're done with the task, you have a procedure that just has the title of the task and the title of the 10 steps. I call this kind of procedure, I call it a fancy name, a minimum viable procedure, just to give it a fancy name. But it's just a rough outline, a skeleton out uh, outline, no, no meat in there, basically it's bones, right? And from having this minimum viable procedure, what do you do next? You then make sure that, you know, Any of your employee, next time they're about to carry out the task, they have that outline in front of them. And their job is just to put in some blurb of some text into each of the steps. Uh, You know, it could be. A sentence or two, not too much, just something small in each in each in each step, and then maybe they have screenshots that they can capture. Just put a, a screenshot in there, or you know, usually you can use a GIF because the GIF you know can show some animation or whatever. Just something simple, right? And if you if you must go to the extent of having a video, I would say limit the video to not more than one minute because people get excited and think that you know yes I can use videos and now I want to create a movie. That's going to take too long for somebody to to sit down and watch. So keep the movie, think TikTok style videos. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, not, but like less than a minimum, so that if you put a video in each step, that video is capturing that very step and it's a concrete capture of that step. But I I just personally, I don't like videos because here's why. Uh, If you need to update the information in the future, then you have to recreate the video and it's it's, adding unnecessary friction. So, as a matter of fact, scratch, I don't use videos, use Text, screenshots, and if you need to make the screenshot uh, animated, you can use GIF so that in the future, as you need to improve stuff, you can just quickly take things out. So rapid improvement, right? And so now your employees are making updates as they're doing the work. You have this you know, uh, uh, oversight over it so that when they make changes, you go ahead and look at the documents. Okay, I like what they've made, you approve it so that now this is a new version, right? And so you keep doing that dance. Every time the task needs to be done, you keep doing that dance and over time it gets improved. Now you have done that for the first biggest bottleneck on the production side. You look for the next uh, put, uh bottleneck, you do the same dance again and keep going on and on and on until you now have some time to say, okay, let's start looking at the sales and marketing side of things and do the same dance for it. But now you know that if you start even bringing people to work on sales and marketing, based on the fact that you have the documents already documented because you follow that framework I've been sharing so far, you know that on the production side of things, you document the bulk of stuff, and uh, work can be carried out because you can the work can be done uh, productively, and also you can even bring in more people to follow on the instructions on how to do the work. But now the next thing is uh, the importance of making sure that your employees have. You know, basically, install in the minds of your employees uh, the culture of this continuous improvement because you want to give them the permission that, hey, we're going to start from version zero, basically version scratch, nothing really. And the whole job here is to continuously improve yeah, uh, as we go. Uh, you know, I keep improving the document as we go. So that is what everybody is, you know, getting into. And there are ways to try to encourage employees to do this. So one way to to, to encourage these ideas in the minds of people is that if a manager or you are the owner of the company, an employee comes to you and asks you a question, instead of you know, answer the question, say, hey, have you checked sweet process, right? So what happens now is that, Over time, if every person comes to you and asks you how to do this, and your answer is, have you uh, checked sweet process? What happens is that you are subconsciously or even consciously installing in their mind that, hey, before I ask my manager, before I ask the owner of the company anything, I need to go and check sweet process to make sure that that information, I can find it. Right? And so... Eventually they don't come start asking you the same thing over over again. They go and check the software and they see it in there, they get the instructions of of, of what they need. And another thing too is by the time they start going into the software and, and searching for document, they're gonna come across you know, employees who actually have been proactive, uh, uh, making changes and updates to the document, because when they make a change, you can literally see the employee's name next to the change and all that. So what, are that, what does that do to them? They say, okay, uh, well, I'm in a company where they, first of all, encourage us to be part of making the changes on, and improvements on how we work, but I'm seeing my mm-hmm. colleague on here always making changes. Okay, what do people want to do, right? They, they want to, you know, uh, uh, imitate how things don't end then they want to get involved themselves in making improvements so next time they're working on a, on a task they come across something that is not not uh, encountered in the you know or addressed in the document they want to raise their hands and say hey uh, not only do I see that this is an issue we need to improve the document and then they can go ahead and pass that information into the the, the software and pass that back to the manager the manager goes ahead and improve it so now we have you know basically it, you know, imbibe or install that mindset of continuous improvement inside of the employees, and they can actually see that you know it's something that they can get uh, uh, involved in, and they start doing it. So over time, we've we've gotten to that level. So the next thing is people might say, "Okay, I, I get all that, but what if I don't have the time to do this, or I don't, or my employees might not have the time to do?" It? Which I, I I highly doubt that if if you follow the steps that I've I've mentioned. But there's also a, a, a third of, uh, another option which is called process consultants where these are people who can come into your company, work with you and your different key players to understand their roles and understand what they do. Basically follow this framework I've just addressed and then help you. Document these procedures and, and and can even have it loaded up into a software like three Process, and then you and your employees can take it from there as a matter of fact we at three process we also not only do we offer the software itself we also offer the consulting so if people are interested in process consulting, they can reach out to me personally ons at com and we can uh, do that but now obviously consulting is going to cost way more because it's not just softwares and ones and zeros this now it's somebody's time and mm-hmm. process consultant that you're paying to do this and the project can for multiple months. And basically, for you know, the entire company is mapped out, the entire procedures and processes are all documented, so on and so forth. So I've shared the different ways at which your, this can be done.
0: You've hit on, I think, some amazing points for me that that really hit home in the whole documentation process, because I, I feel like some of the sticking points um for me, have always been you know one, like where to start and and you kind of touched on that, like start with the bottlenecks, you know, where are some of the the key things that are bottlenecking some of the areas? and then two, you know where you, you how how do you kind of get the flywheel spinning and you do it through keeping it really simple and then just kind of continually adding to it and getting people in the habit of both going to it and making changes. So like, like you said, the MVP like taking this product mindset of, you know, start simple and just add to it, make it work for, for you, for your team. And then just, you know, continually, um, you know, find where it isn't working. And if you, if I, as maybe a new person or somebody just trying it out, if I can go through it, and it works awesome. If I can, if I go to the, the documentation and I can't get through it, then we've obviously found something that I need to add to, or, you know, make some adjustments to it. And that's, you know, that's working like you want, you know, you found a, a problem and, and you can add to the documentation and, and make some changes. And then being able to just do that continually. And like, like you were saying, it becomes almost a cultural thing because that that was one of my questions is how do we get people doing this? Because I feel like one of the things is it's easy to start with documentation, but then it can be very difficult to get that uh, continually updated or or continually moving. And you kind of touched on that. You have to actually be using it in order to get the movement on it or or get people both using it and updating it frequently um and so I, I think that that's that's a huge part of it is if you're not using it then you know you're not going to be uh, addressing any issues and you're not going to be updating it so uh, i i thought that was i didn't great. Even
1: add that i i, I just remember <clears throat> that i didn't add that it's critical to add into this conversation is that uh remember how i said when employees have a question and you know instead of you answer the question you direct them hey have you reprocessed? right? So eventually they start going there and start searching for things, but they're going to come across situations where they go into a software like sweet process and put a keyword and they don't find it, right? Because no document was created. Now that becomes an opportunity or a golden opportunity for say, hey, I've searched sweet process and I don't see this stuff. And this is something that we're going to keep running into over and over again. Why don't we have it? That becomes an opportunity for the owner of the company or the manager or whatever to go ahead and build you know, document that procedure for something that is going to be a recurring task that they don't have it. So now a new document has been spurned and created, right? Another thing that I didn't mention was that one of the things we discovered during these conversations is that you can have all these collaboration together to create the document, but where the insights for continuous improvement and for, uh, you know, insights on how to improve the documents come from is when the work is actually being done. So we realized that the software, the documenting had to also be married with the work being done so in three process for instance not only can you collaborate together to document how the procedures and process for how the work is done but you can actually assign task instances to your employees to carry out work right so that as they are carrying out the work the underlying procedure is right there in front of them showing them hey i'm doing this task but step number one this is the instructions i have to follow so they go in ahead and they checking off the steps. And employees can never say, I don't know how the work is done because the instruction is right there in front of them. But why do I mention this? Is that when they're doing the work, right, and the instructions are right there in front of them and they're checking off steps, they come across something that was not addressed in the underlying procedure. They can pass that feedback back to the manager who is responsible for that document. And the manager can be, oh, really? Yeah, you're on the ground. Yes, I, I didn't think that this might happen. And then he goes ahead or well, she goes ahead to improve that underlying document, right, on which the task is based on. And then in real time, after he's approved that document, that task is updated with the new instructions that was not addressed earlier. Again, the insights for that continuous improvement comes when the work is being done. So that's why we had to make sure that the software married both of them, the task management, with the, you know, the documentation side of things, all in one.
0: Yeah, no, that's absolutely great. Um, how have you found that this that a lot of this has changed or adjusted with the both the pandemic and the shift to re- remote work and and hybrid work over you know the last few years
1: so that's a important question that you've asked mm-hmm. because before now, before, you know, a remote work became sexy, you know, people like us, we've been doing it for years yeah. because Sweet Process is basically a, a, a distributed company. We have employees all around the world, right? So, but now it's a thing that, you know, a lot of companies now had to do because out of necessity. But even before they had to do it, you was how work was happening when they didn't have, you know, software like street processing is that they want to do work. Now they got to go and, you know, tap the employee on, you know, on, on the site and interrupt that employee. Even before they interrupt that employee for information, they had to stop what they're doing and spend time trying to gather the information. And maybe they didn't, you know, they've wasted time trying to gather information and they don't have the information. Now they go and interrupt the employee who might be deep in his own work and interrupt that person just to get information to do the work. Right. Okay. And that's how they've, you know, gone ahead and to do things all this time. But now you throw in the pandemic into the mix and people have to work from home, right? And working from home, a lot of people are parents too. They have kids who are, you know, schooling from home. So that whole ability to interrupt somebody is not even possible anymore because the person is dealing with a lot, working from home, also probably taking care of kids and uh, helping with schoolwork. So it's now even more critically important to make sure this is available somewhere digitally online that employees can actually access. So you see that, you know, the, 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 the issue now is even elevated more. So we've seen that a lot of people, uh, you don't, before you would have to spend a lot of time try to make the case for it. Now you don't have to make the case for it because it's glaring. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that makes absolute sense <clears throat> that, you know, especially as it's become to the forefront of everybody's mind, you know, how do we, work better both remotely and high and in a, in a hybrid way, but also just how do we do it in a way that is less disruptive to what everybody is doing so that, you know, I don't have to go tap Owen on, on the shoulder or, you know, Slack Owen to, you know, get information. You know, if, if we can do it in a very scalable way, like you're talking about where, you know, I write out everything, And it's available for you and it's available for me. It's available for everybody to kind of go and see and understand and use whenever you want, as opposed to when I'm, I'm available or when you're available. Um, It just makes so much more sense, especially in kind of the environment that we've moved to. As you know, we've been talking a lot about, uh, you know, internal processes and procedures. How does this look for 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 customers. You you kind of touched on that earlier um, with customer onboarding. But you know, what about, you know, things like product knowledge bases and, and product information? How how is that similar or different and and how can companies address that?
1: So I'm glad you mentioned that because again, when you think of procedures and processes and stuff like that, you think internal <laughs> information that you want to uh, you know, give your employees on how to do their work. Right. But then there's, so there's two ways we address that situation. So the first thing is we said, well, so there's also situations where you want to pass on information to your, to the public. It could be your clients, it could be vendors, whatever. And it's for them to actually have this information, but instructional information where step-by-step. Step. So what we did is we be, we created what is called a knowledge base where you can take these documents uh, that you have documented in the process, be procedures or policies, and click a button, make them uh, public, and then you can add them into a knowledge base that is organized so they can go there, see stuff, search themselves, but it's public facing. So that's one part of the way we address it. And then another way we address it is that sometimes it's not a thing where the person on the other side is just going to take all the information on their own. It might be a situation where in the case of onboarding a new client, where employees are doing things internally, but he And the client also has to do some stuff as well. And then once they're done with their stuff, the employees continue doing their own stuff. So we have this thing where when you assign a task, you can decide if if a specific point in a task needs to be done by a guest, like an outside person, right? And so you can assign a task to them right? So that they do this, like the client can do his own part of the task. So now the employee is following all the steps internally for what they are doing to maybe deliver the result to the client. And then there's a specific step that is outside facing that the uh, the client has to do as a guest task or whatever. They do their part. Once they're done, they come, employees continue doing their stuff internally. So this are the two ways that we address this whole thing where information needs to be outside facing. And it's in the, in the, Situation of guest tasks, like I mentioned, when you assign a specific step of a task to a guest, the client will only see the part that is relevant to them. They won't see all the other stuff.
0: Right. Oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. And then, uh, you know, as far as like updating and keeping those things updated, is it is it kind of sim- a similar idea as far as the using and uh, kind of ownership model, or how have you seen customers and and companies and organizations both using and maintaining some of that information for, for outside users and outside-facing type products?
1: So, for instance, if you talk about like the, the using in terms of task management, sometimes the best ideal situation is that we prefer if people were using our software for not only the documentation, but also the task management side. So things that are talking back and forth, you know, Seamlessly and things can be improved, but then we also realize that some people might have some you know legacy software they use for task management. So, Sweet Process allows you to integrate Sweet Process uh, with other software. You could do it through like third-party tools like Zapier, where there's an you know there's you know, Sweet Process integrating uh, connecting points on Zapier, the platform, and that software has integration uh, uh, connection points, and you direct them together, but the reality is that uh, stuff like Zapier is only limited by how much connection points that both software put on that platform. So for the best connection, especially if somebody is technical, is where you use our API, which is open with the API of the other software and you know make things work together. I can give an example so that it's more concrete. Let's say you, you use a software like HubSpot for your, your marketing or for your sales, and then you have a HubSpot form on your website where if someone wants to inquire about your service, They fill out a form and that form is probably, you know, a a HubSpot form or whatever. And so now let's say you've you've also built a sales process that in suite process that, you know, whenever a new potential customer comes in, these are the specific steps we follow to try to qualify them and prove that, you know, this is who we want and then close the deal. So when that form is filled out in the HubSpot form, that triggers a connection to a, a task instance in suite process based on that, process, your sales process you've built in Sweet Process, and now your salesperson now goes through and just follows all the steps in there, actually carry out, carrying out the tasks on your sales process that you've uh, defined in Sweet Process, and essentially closes the deal and that is responded, uh, sent back to a software like uh, uh, HubSpot on, on the other side, but you have to marry them uh, uh, together. So, that's how an example of, you know, if someone doesn't want to use free process directly for the task management style of things, we can actually uh, do integration with other software.
0: Right. Okay. Now that makes sense. Well, Owen, this has been, I think, an absolutely awesome conversation about uh, a topic that, like like we said, may, may not feel the most sexy, but is, I think, so critical and so important to both building good businesses and making good products and and really doing things in a way that allows us to, to scale what we're doing and, and really work in a way that allows people to do their roles, um, both remotely and, and just far more efficiently. So I I absolutely love the the conversation. Um, and I have a couple more questions for you to kind of wrap it up, but before we do that, is there anything else that, that you had, that you've been thinking about that we either talked about or, or didn't get a chance to talk about?
1: Okay, so maybe before we wrap up, I want to give the listeners uh you know an incentive because basically they've been here listening all to this point. So by default, if you go to our software, you get a 14-day trial. We don't need your credit card or anything, just your name and email. But because you've been on this podcast listening all this way to this point, I want to, you know, uh make the trial extended so it's a 28-day trial instead of a 14-day trial. And to get access to it, you go to sweetprocesscom forward slash product. By design, all written together, so that's sweet like candy, process like process. So, sweetprocess.com forward slash product by design, and uh, you'll be able to get access to the uh, extended trial. And obviously, I'm you know, Kyle will link to that as well uh, somewhere in the show notes.
0: That's right, yeah, we'll put that link in the show notes as well for an extended trial of sweet process, which um, will be absolutely awesome to, to start you, if you aren't documenting your processes and procedures uh, to start doing that. Awesome. Well, Owen, um, is there anywhere else that people can find out more about you and and what you're doing? Obviously, sweetprocess.com, um, but anywhere else that people can go?
1: So I am h- actively on LinkedIn. So you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Just type my name, Owen McGabinow, and you'll find me. I usually uh, welcome all connection requests. Uh, as long as you have a picture of yourself in there. I usually would uh, accept it. I don't accept the ones. I I don't know why anybody will be on LinkedIn and not have a picture. If you don't have a picture, I'm not accepting it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Very true. All right. Well, We'll put that link in the show notes as well. Um, awesome. Well, I have a couple wrap up questions that we usually do, um, uh, for, for our guests, but, uh, first one, um, have you read or watched anything, uh, or listen to anything recently that you found particularly interesting that that you want to to share?
1: Um, I, I tend to like uh you know a lot of uh you know documentaries, just like uh, you know, seeing, you know, how people build things and you know how they build empires, I like reading uh biographies, so on and so forth. So that's kind of like around what I typically try to read. Uh something that is a book that I would suggest uh listeners um uh, read is, um, built to sell, right? Uh, that book is all about, you know, how you can consciously go about building your business with the intention to sell it. And a lot of that book has to do around operations and how to, you know, you know document procedures and so on and so forth, so that, you know, you can sell the business at a higher, uh, sale point. Another book that is good along the lines is work the system. Uh, that's another good one that you can read. And the final one I can suggest is, uh, the goal—it's uh, all about you know I, I identifying constraints and bottlenecks in the business, and uh, you know and how that applies to the whole continuous improvement mindset.
0: Okay, awesome. I'll have to check some of those out. I, I have not read those ones yet, so I'll have to put them on the list. Uh, those sound really good. Um, and finally, are there any products that you've been using and enjoying recently? Um, you know, whether physical or digital products. That uh, you you've either liked or have not liked, you want to give a shout out to. Well,
1: to be honest, I, I don't buy a lot of you know products or whatever. One of the things I like to do is the way I learn these days is that if there's something specific I'm trying to learn about, the best way I learn is by uh, finding a podcast or you know interview that is you know some expert comes in and is talking about that. And so I go ahead and listen to the interview. And if I liked what I hear from that interview, especially because I'm trying to solve that problem, then I go and find as many different podcast interviews where that person has been on. Because what usually happens is, you know, they would say something here and then go somewhere else and say something additional and then say something additional in, you know, multiple other different places. By the time you do like three or four of those interviews, you'd have had some clear idea of, you know, what you're trying to achieve. And then even if they have like an actual, you know, product or mentorship or course that even goes into more details. Now you know that you know there's a lot of value you've got just even listening to the podcast and you you know have some ideas on how to implement things on your own and then you can go to the next step and uh you know place another for whatever mentorship or program they have and then you know you get all the stuff all pre-packaged and maybe even done for you. So that's that's the way I kind of like speed my learning these days. It's you know podcasts and the reason why podcasts are not books I say is that books tend to be, you know, it takes a long time to write all these books, right? And so by the time they're done with the books, a lot of times the things they are writing in the books tend to be, especially if it's like tips and strategies, they tend to be old by the time the book is published, right? The best kind of books I want to read are biographies of, you know, the entrepreneurs, like the story, general stories so you can learn from story. But if it's something where you're trying to learn a specific uh, tactic for implementing, the book itself is usually be outdated. That's why I, I suggest podcasts because podcasts are more not real time, but they're more close to what's happening now.
0: Yeah. Very, very true. All right. Well, absolutely uh, great. And uh, again, Owen, it's been a great conversation. Um, Really appreciate you taking some time and love the insights and conversation. So we will again, put all of the links in the show notes. And uh, it was great talking to you again.
1: Likewise, Kyle. Thanks for having me on the
0: show. All right. And yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Thanks again for listening. If you like the show, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow the show on Twitter at ProdByDesign. That's Prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me at Kyle Larry Evans on Twitter as well. If you want more product conversation, check out my newsletter, Product Thinking. At productthinking.cc. You can follow me on Medium at Kaya Larry Evans as well, or check out my Medium publication, uh, Product by Design. Thanks again.